0: Hello, welcome to Tribe Super, your go-to Middlesbrough FC podcast, we're back for another episode. Although I'm starting to feel like we might be some sort of curse on Middlesbrough, obviously, before um, our extended break, they weren't on the best of run of form, uh, you know, Warnock had gone while they'd come in. And then we return after, what was it, Craig, 10, 11 weeks of fantastic performances and results, we're back for our second episode and uh, it's on the back of a defeat, 1-0 to Blackburn, but maybe it doesn't tell the full story because Gallagher like scored the winner. Burra had been on top, really, on the better side.
2: Um, just before the winner, yes. Um, In, in terms of, the, you know, the start of the second half better than, than what they played in the first half, But but it didn't take much, to be honest. The first half was... Was as bad at 45 minutes i think i've seen of scene, of, uh, of borough since chris wilder came and um... You know, it it was a, a really bad first half. It, you know, one thing that Chris this borough side under Chris Wilder have had is kind of you know control of possession and the look to try and do things and uh, and and be positive uh, and play the ball around. You know, on the deck and and, and there was just none of that in the first half uh, last night. Uh, you know, no control of the ball, no kind of intent or intensity to the play, uh, as you say before blackburn got the goal they did have a bright kind of 20 minute spell in the start of the second half but even then you know the the final ball was lacking they didn't really test the blackburn goalkeeper much at all um and and you know as wild as wilder said after the the kind of you know the goal that blackburn scored the winner through sam gallagher which came about through paddy mcnair you know usually so reliable but uh he went and made a clearance and completely you know, air kick, completely missed the ball, it falls to Gallagher and he, he puts the ball away in the back of the net and, you know, as I said, after that, some for burrows night, really, uh, poor slot, he won't give away.
0: If you can't hear any noise in the background for those for those listening later on the podcast, because we are doing this live on Facebook as well, Craig is in a service station so we brought our love of chatter of service stations that usually happens at the end of the episode, we brought it into the full episode and Craig is currently sitting in a service station somewhere in Cumbria. Um. Dom, I guess the important bit here is how Blackburn bounced back from this because you're gonna you're gonna get. You, I mean, this is well, the second defeat, so it was always likely to happen at some point. It's just about the reaction now.
1: Yeah, there, there was always going to be bumps in the road. Wilder's made that point a few times. Um, you know, we're, you're not going to win every week. It is how you react. It, it was just it was just a bit flat, wasn't it? Um, but I thought I thought Blackburn were, were okay, but nothing special, which kind of added to the frustration. They were obviously without Ben Breret and Diaz. Um so it, it did feel a little bit like an opportunity missed. It it felt to me like a nil-nil game with one lapse of concentration and a good finish from Gallagher. I'd, I'd seen Lumley getting a bit of stick, but I don't think you can point the finger of blame. You know, listen, I don't think I don't think he's he's the the, the, the most reliable goalkeeper have had, but I don't think he did um anything wrong last night and you know I, I don't think I don't think you can point the finger of blame him for the goal um at all it's a swing in the boot from McNair jo- Jones it was a bit of a swing wasn't it maybe a lack of composure in in clearing the ball initially um but Gallagher's finish was a good one I I, I fancied Borough to to mount a bit more of a push late on even when Blackburn went in front I, I still fancy Borough to come from behind um I thought they'd get a chance and obviously Connolly, that chance felt that Conley. That was that was a real lack of composure. I thought when he blazed that over because that was that was a real opportunity. Um, but as you say, you know, you you, you weren't going to win every game between now and the end of the season. These these setbacks were going to come. What's that? Nine wins in twelve for Blackburn. Absolutely no disgrace in in losing to them. Um, and and I, I, it made me think of something that Woodgate said that Mowbray had said to him when when Borough went to Blackburn in, in Mowbray's season. And um. Mowbray's advice to Woodgate had been after the game. I know you want to play a certain way, but you have to find a way to win games. That 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 is ultimately the crux of the job as a manager. You have to find a way to win games, and Blackburn are doing that. Fair play to them last night, without the best player on the back of their own setback against Hull, um, they they found a way to win. And and I think Borough will bounce back because the only real setback, you know, the 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 last setback was obviously Preston. Um, and and you know, we know that Chris Wilder absolutely says it straight, says it as it is, and he did last night, as he did after that Preston game when he talked about the arrogance. And the reaction from that was was for me the best performance we've seen so far under Wilder it, at Huddersfield away, or certainly one of them. There's a lot of competition now. Um so so I, I think Borough will bounce back and, and beat Coventry on Saturday.
0: Question there for you, Craig from Prunab. He says, Is the loss a blip or shall we fall off like earlier in the season? What do you think is different this time that will give the fans more hope that it is just just a blip?
2: It's a, it's an interesting question, and you know, incidentally, you know, it was a year ago exactly the day that Burrow lost to Blackburn last season as well, twenty fourth of January, um, and and um, you know that, that that kind of lost that one at the Riverside when Dale Fry got the horror eye injury, and um, that that was um, you know what. Neil Warnock, the previous manager, kind of put down to Borough's season last season, just completely derailing and, uh, and, 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 and and you know, falling off in the way that it did. Um, so this time, what's different? What what will make sure this isn't the same kind of derailment and the same, you know, kind of fall away? Well, I think ultimately it's the standards. Um, you know, you saw in the reaction from uh, Chris Wilder last night. He, he was he was really really unhappy. Uh, you know, bordering on raging with with that performance. And, and as Dom said, you know, you away at a team that's just gone second in the league with that win, um, and and you were one error at the back of from taking a point, which I think you know wouldn't have changed the fact that as vote about it, you know it wasn't bad performance and uh, there were a lot of negatives to it it wouldn't change that but still the point that we at blackburn it's got to be considered a credible point so you know despite that he came into the press conference and he made no kind of you know no, no spin on it or anything that was nowhere near the standards that he is setting and i think ultimately you know we forget that this was just chris wilder's 11th game in charge of Borough. It's it's gone so well so far that you know, it's easy to forget that, and I mean, actually, you know, the players are still learning. You know, the way what he wants and exactly how he wants it, and and, and equally, he's still learning a lot about particular players. and And um, why do I think, or why am I optimistic, it will be different, and this won't be a blip? I think it's because you know, there's clearly a long term project uh, in place at Borough, even if there is short-term success to go after uh, and and ultimately those players now will know and it will be drilled into them that you know they do need to show their character now they do need to show their metal because uh you know if not then they're just not going to have a future at this football club because chris wilder won't won't take anything but the highest standards i, I
1: like what I, I like about wilder yeah, often often with managers we've all had it where a manager comes into a press conference afterwards and and isn't isn't overly critical and and you think that can't have been the message in the dressing room you know is it, I, it, it there's been times where a manager's come in um, and it, it happened a few times under Warnock, where you know you've gone pretty strong in a in a in a um, in a match report. Then the manager comes in and says, Oh, you know, I, I was pleased with this. I was pleased with that. I thought we were unlucky." And and you you second guess yourself. You think, "Have I been? Have I been? Have I gone a bit over the top there?" When in actual fact, you know that they're just coming out to protect the players, or to move it on, or to you know to to to, to change the narrative. Um, and behind closed doors in the dressing room, the message will have been completely different. Now. Obviously not all the time because there's, there's certain things that, that will always stay in a dressing room. But I do get the impression with Wilder that to a certain extent, the flavour of the message to the players is the same flavour of the message that is given to, um, to us and and. Through us, the fans, because he talks about it again and again and again, doesn't he? The fans, the fans, just deserve to know exactly what's going on and to and to hear it straight. I remember a few times at Sheffield United when they were going really well in the in the promotion season in the Premier League, first Premier League season. Um, listening or reading his post match press conferences and thinking like, you know, you don't you don't you don't see or hear that much from a manager, and he, more often than not, you got a reaction. Um, now, obviously, we won't know until Saturday, but but I suspect he'll get he'll get the reaction he wants, and I quite like the fact that he you know he just he just says it as it is.
2: And, you know, the ironic thing about what you're saying there, Dom, as well, is, uh, you know, after the game yesterday, you know, it was it was the complete opposite to what you're saying there about how often you'll kind of write a match report and then the manager will come in and kind of defend the players and you second guess yourself. It was the complete opposite last night in that, you know, I was there with, with Scott uh, Wilson from the Northern Echo and we were kind of sat thinking... Yeah, you know, we, we could both appreciate it was a poor performance. We've spoken about why it was a poor performance. But as I say, you were only one error away from from taking the point away from Aigwood Park. There were better parts of the game, I thought. Reasonably well defensively, um, you know. Joe Lumley had very little to do. That was anything but comfortable. I thought last night, um, and and that was kind of we were sat waiting for Chris Wilder in the the press conference room, and the quotes from Sky Sports started coming through, which he did first. He did the broadcast interviews first, and and we could see from that, you know, just how upset he was and how angry he was at the performance, and and that was kind of one of the first, like Scott asked, and uh, the first question press conference and said like you know we've seen what you've said to sky and um, we're a bit surprised at that and, and and his answer was just well you know i respect your opinion and i hope you expect mine that was nowhere near good enough and uh and it, it, you know it's just it's those standards that we talking about his standards are so high and, and as i say ultimately for Borough players now they have to react because in the long run if they're not meeting those standards, then you know they're going to have to leave the club and find somewhere else. And players who will meet the standards will come in.
0: I'm sure that's something that the fans will applaud—that kind of honesty and kind of raw emotion. We've got plenty of people watching this live broadcast on Facebook. So I'll dive into some of the questions. Um, I'll come to you first. On there's a lot about Connolly um, and where he fits in. So we'll start with. Um, where shall we start with? We'll start with this one here from Richard Atwood. He says, is Connolly worth the start or Corbin?"
1: Um I, I I don't think he's worth the start of a more, on based on what we've seen so far. Um Corburn, you know, it's a work in progress for Corburn, isn't it? You, we, we, no one's expecting too much too soon. Um, you know, he might even go out on loan, mightn't he? Before before the month is out, depending on on what happens. But but I I do feel I do feel slightly sorry for Duncan Watmore. Now, it's worth pointing out here. I think that um, Watmore does obviously have to manage his knee, and and I think it was the Blackpool game, was it when o'nel Hernandez played up front and uh, Watmore came on, and and um, in the COVID week, Wilder talked a lot about one player who isn't. Who isn't fit to start at the minute, but he can come on and and play because he's having to manage an issue. Now I read into that, and I might be wrong, but I read into that that it was that it was what more. Um, so it might be that that you know he's just having to manage his way through this. This is his first kind of full pre-season and season for a, for a little while, isn't it? So he's just having to manage his way through that. Um, but but I do feel that aside. Um, I think everything we saw from Watmore in, in the early weeks of Wilder and um, his energy and positivity up front was kind of key to making the system work, really. Craig I mean, there was a home game um where he came off the bench. And sorry, I can't think which game it was off the top of my head, but he came off the bench and he changed it. Um was it Forrest? It was Forrest when uh Forrest got the goal or oh, were pushing, sorry, at one nil. I think he came off the bench. Double check this. Sorry if I'm wrong, but at one nil up. Uh, what more came off the bench, and at that point, Borough, Forrest was starting to push, and Borough was sitting a bit deeper. And you thought, uh oh. And um, what more provided that positivity and energy and got Borough back on the front foot. Um, now, obviously, after that, he, 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 the schedule was managed a bit more. But just based on what I've seen, um, you know, I, 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 th- I think it's slightly harsh on what more to, to not be played and for Conley to. go straight in now obviously it's always worth pointing out that we don't see what what goes on day in day out um and i suspect given how much we know wilder rates palagon that when he when he is fully up to speed um we we might see balagon up um but but i think it's worth pointing out here as well you know is nailed on starter because i thought he was poor last night i thought he was really poor i thought he was anonymous in fact and um because he had that spell. I like Sparar, but because he had that spell and because he's got a great chant, I don't think he's a nailed, you know, he should be a nailed-on start up there. I think it's absolutely two for four places. Sorry, four for two places. Um and and I say four because I, I think at the minute Colburn probably isn't in contention to to start games. Um and we know if Piezu is is available to leave. Um so I think it'll be interesting how the battle for, for forward places played out, but I don't think Conley or Sparrow did themselves any great favours last night. I don't think either could have any complaints
2: if they were dropped for the weekend.
0: It's great coming in there to add anything, or should I dive into a few more of the questions?
2: Well, I I, I can not come in, yeah. I mean, I think Dom's spot on. I think both Conley and Sparrow, you know, did themselves little justice last night. In in fairness to Conley, um, you know, for certainly the first 45 minutes of his debut, he looked really bright, um, and and you know there was uh, you know a couple of good chances that he had in that game, none of which were like last night's where you would say that's a terrible miss. Uh, but certainly, I thought he was unlucky not to end his uh, his debut against Reading last weekend with a goal. Uh, and as I say, he looked really bright in that one. So I don't think we should be you know uh, panicking or anything like that about him just yet. I think you know we have to appreciate that he hasn't played a lot of football in the last 12 months, and he is still going to be getting up to a bit of speed, etc. Um, yeah, you know, I think as well. You know, don't get me wrong. Spara and Connolly were both uh, poor last night. They, they didn't offer an awful lot when the ball did go towards them. Connolly, you know, once or twice was really frustrating because see the ball kept coming back to uh, to Burr's defence, which is something we saw a lot under Neil Warnock. And you know, I, I wonder if that you know kind of played its part in Paddy McNair's era because we saw that a lot under Warner, didn't we? He used to tear his hair out about the sloppiness that the Bowlesboro would concede. And and a lot of that, I always felt, was that they never really had much control of possession in the game so the ball was just constantly coming back and it was that constant under pressure that they maybe just wilted uh far too often and, and that's where the sloppy goals came in and that was the same as last night and and while you know there was times Connolly as I say frustrated because he could have taken a touch and he could have given Burr a bit more kind of control or authority on the ball he would try the fancy flick uh, and it just didn't come off for him at all last night it was really frustrating but the neither were helped either by the way borough played they went wrong far too often that was the strange thing for me to see and uh you know clearly that was because they, they invited blackburns press on and uh, they didn't Certainly, from the back and in the midfield, playing quick enough with as much intensity as what we have been, and and as such, they went long, far, too often. And, and I think that's what, more than anything, frustrated Chris Wilder. He talks about attitude and game plan, and and mentality. And I think that would have been very frustrating for 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 Chris Wilder to see, because it was almost like a. A panic in when it wasn't working, not sticking to the game plan, and reverting to if you like type and what they were used to, which is going long. And and unfortunately, you know, in in on Connolly or even more and uh, Balogun are off the bench, you know, they don't have the strikers to play that style. People seeing you know Coburn would have been the big striker or, or big Uchi would have been good to have as a focal point because you know Blackburn's defenders were huge. The big guys at the, at the back for Blackburn, and they were always going to beat defence. All night airily, and but it's no good having you know Big Uchi as a focal point up top when that's not the way Chris Wilder wants to play. And say we we talk about the project, and and Chris Wilder wants to get this project right at Middlesbrough, and that that is comes with a consistency. and He's quite clear in in his approach and how he wants to see Middlesbrough play. So while you know I can understand people saying we needed a focal point up top, that's not how Chris Wilder wanted to play, and ultimately they looked like they needed a 4 point because of the way that the, the, you know the service that the provider to the strikers but in the in the grand scheme of things that isn't the service that Chris Wilder wants Middlesbrough to provide the strikers
1: i remember reading just just quickly to jump in I'm, i might i might have talked about this previously on the pod i'm thinking i can't remember whether i mentioned it last week so if i did apologies to repeat myself but i remember reading something with Guardiola ones where he was saying about about you know the plan B, are you ever tempted to go long in the last two or three minutes? Um, and, and his argument is, or was, and still is, obviously, if, if I spend all week or every day on the training ground preaching to the players that I want to play this way, this is the best way to play, this is how we're going to break teams down and beat them, what message does it send out if in the last minute, when we're, when we're most in need of a goal, I then say to the players, actually, scratch what I've been saying. We're going to, we're going to launch it into the box. We're going to launch it long and, and play for knockdown. I guess it's when you... And I completely get the plan B argument. I'm just putting that point forward because we all... There is, you know, you see all the teams do it, don't they? A vast majority of teams will, in the last minute, kind of, you know, get the big men forward or move the centre half forward and knock it long. Maybe not so much as we used to. But there is that argument, isn't there, there? This is, this is what I'm saying. Now, this is the way I want us to play. Now, if I'm saying we want to play that in the first minute or the fifth minute or the tenth minute, and if that's the best way to go, why should that change in the 90th minute or the 95th minute when you're most under pressure? Stick to what you know, stick to what you're working on on the, on the training pitch day in, day out. Um, so I, I completely get the plan B argument. And, um, you know, you look at that last night and think, well, you know, if, you, if Uche is going on and uh, causing havoc or, copying a little bit earlier and causing havoc but on the other hand i completely get the other argument as well Hmm.
0: you know it's a valid valid point and we've had quite a few comments saying can we turn down that horrible music unfortunately we have no control over that so you'll have to write some motorway services but trust me if craig johns was in control of the playlist it would be a heck of a lot worse so um count your blessings Um, what have you been what have you
1: been listening to on the way home craig
0: I'm a I'm a podcaster actually when oh, I yes, drive home enough.
2: so yeah I've yeah. listened to Paradise uh, Crime Series which I think you actually recommended to me uh, this group. I did yeah I did. at least yeah. it's not
0: James Blunt yeah. um, <laughs> we've, been, we've been talking about strikers and a few people have said in the comments here that they feel that you, Middlesbrough need to get, get a striker in Ian Andrew Taylor and it's simply we need to get a proven striker in looking ahead to this final few days of the trance window Craig do you feel Middlesbrough will, will go out and target another striker or do you think that's them um, done for players up top?
2: Yeah, absolutely done. I mean, they've got, uh, you know, they've brought in Aaron Connolly and they've brought in Filar Balogun. Let's see, I think, uh, you know, Rockmore and Sporar haven't been prolific goal scorers in the first half of the season, but they've certainly both had bright moments and, you know, Filar and Balogun and, and Aaron Connolly, while, you know, Either have played a lot of football recently and will have to kind of get themselves up to speed. They both came in early enough in January, where they'll be able to do that in good time. Unlike last year, when you know the the signings that Borough made, which could have impacted the season, they happened too late in the winter. And by the time the likes of Balassi and Cabano were up to speed, it was March, and, and the season was already slipping away from Borough. That that's not the case this season. They've got, you know, I think I'm still intrigued quite excited to see what Connolly and ballaghan can do when they do fully get up to speed and like i say i mentioned it earlier i don't think there's any need to panic whatsoever uh, about conley because he's you know had a bit of a bad game there last night because he was really positive against redden it was a good performance against redden and you know ultimately he might drop out of the team on Saturday against Coventry um, because of that performance. And we know Wilder did rotate his strikers more than any other position when he was at Sheffield United, largely because he liked to mix things up in the absence of a prolific goal scorer. Um, so we could well say that change, but that'll only motivate Connolly more to make sure next time he's in, you know, he's better than that.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, Wilder will set the standards and these players have to meet them. Dom, we've just, got a question here. on um, that. So, sorry, on sorry,
1: just very quickly, just to jump in on that, just a small point. And I, I don't think last night changes anything we talked about in last week's pod. Where you know, but if, if something becomes available, while there might well, while the you know, while wants to bring in one more, um, and you know, he'll have his ideas on what areas need strengthening. But for me, if the window closes tomorrow, forget exit. But in terms of incomings, if the window closed tomorrow, it had been a hugely successful window to bring in. Two centre forwards, um, young, hungry. As 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 Craig said, obviously Connolly wasn't at his best last night, but but you can't be writing a player off after um, one game in only a second game for a new club, away to the to the form team or the second form team in the league. Um, and obviously Riley McGree, who we haven't seen yet, who, who looks a, who looks an excellent signing, um, as well as the two young lads. So so I don't think for me, if the window closed tomorrow, it'd be a hugely successful window. And Last night um, might have sharpened minds in terms of what needs to happen uh, on the training pitch in the next few days, but I, I can't imagine last night will have changed Borough's thinking at all in terms of what happens in the in the remaining days of the window.
0: Yeah, totally agree with that. Um, we've got—I was going to say that, Don. We've got this question here from from yeah, sorry, um, and he, he says, in his opinion, he feels Millsap has been sussed out a little in the last two games with Jones. Being the only creative threat. Is that is that a fair opinion, do you think? Yeah, I think it
1: is. I, I agree with Mark there. I think at times last night Borough looked a bit one-dimensional. Um, and you know, I wonder whether maybe they obviously Neil Taylor isn't Isaiah Jones. He's he's a he's a wing back, isn't he, or a defender who's who's playing in a wing back? But I, I do think Taylor has a lot to offer on that on that side. But yeah, I think Borough did look a bit unbalanced last night. Um, and the midfield looked a bit safe. The, the balance of that midfield's been great, hasn't it? But the dynamic of that midfield three didn't quite work. Um, but, but that said, you know Blackburn did a, did a job on Borough, didn't they as well? So that so it's not just a case of Borough um, not being at the best. But I agree with that. With with Jones, yeah, I think there's an there's an element of um, you know he was he, he still looked even though even though he was the one who Borough were looking at all the time. And Blackburn obviously did a good job of containing him. He still looked for his most likely route to goal, didn't he?
2: Yeah, I'd, uh, sorry just to come in. I'd, I'd completely agree with that as well. I think, uh, you know, as, as Mark points out, Blackburn kind of highlighted and clearly did the research and saw that Isaiah Jones was the the threat for Borough and, and looked to stop that. And as Dom says, even even doing that, he still looked the most likely and most threatening Borough player on the pitch. Um, one thing, you know, again, when we look at Wilder Sheffield United side, it's they like to play the ball in kind of intricate little triangles, and we're already seeing that at Bury in terms of Matt Crooks, Isaiah Jones, and then whoever's the right striker, right-sided right strike, which is usually Andres Sporar, They tend to link up quite well, and that right-hand side has looked quite good so far. Crooks and Jones, I thought, linked up again last night, as I say, despite the extra attention. They lumped up well. Sometimes Anthony Dykesdale gets involved in that as well as the right side and centre-back. Uh, however, on the left-hand side, and I think this goes back to when we were talking about Watmore how important he was in the early part of those games, he runs those channels and he has so much energy. Um, the last two games with Aaron Connolly in, that left-hand side hasn't looked quite as good for Borough. Neil Taylor, you know, he, we, we know he did have COVID, so perhaps, you know, there was, you know, there's a kind of, you know, Repercussions of that, perhaps, Uh, but he hasn't quite looked as good as what he did when he first came into the side. Neil Taylor, lately, Uh, Marcus Tavernier. I I still thought he was, you know, he's 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 quite often the uh, the fall guy, if you like, the um, the one who gets it. Marcus Tavernier. I thought out of the three over on that left hand side, he was the one most trying to make things happen. He was the one trying to be bright, but you know, every time, you know, the couple of times he. He played at Neil Taylor. Neil Taylor would miss control or, you know, his pass back to him wasn't excellent. And as I've mentioned with Connolly, his kind of flicks and things like that just weren't coming off at all all night. And, you know, since what more came out of that little triangle on the left-hand side, that left-hand side hasn't looked as good. And, And as you say, teams are going to do the homework. It's not hard. Isaiah Jones is you know, so bright and so piercing, so dangerous. So it's not hard to just pay a little extra attention to Oziah Jones. What Middlesbrough need when teams are paying that little bit of attention to Oziah Jones is to then find other ways and other areas of the pitch where they can then hurt them. And, and you know, that tends to be the opposite flank. So, actually, I think I agree with Mark. Burrow need to step up on the left-hand side and, and do the left-hand side needs to do their bit to support the right-hand side.
0: I mean, in terms of that, the creativity, we've had a lot of talk about players who might drop in and out, but one name that is popping up a lot in the comments is Piero. Craig, what does he do to get a game? Or as Andrew Aiken asks, is his future no longer at the club?
2: I, I certainly don't think we're anywhere close to that uh, kind of point. His future not being at the club. One always speaks, you know, positively about him. He, he's had a frustrating time. He was he was injured when when Wilder first came in, and and since then, of course, you know, uh, Mac Crooks has has played so well in that central midfield uh, position, which is ultimately, you know, the, the player uh, Mac, uh, Martin Piero is, is challenging. You know, that right sided gate, if you like, and uh, you know. I've asked about Martin Piero uh, just, just a week or so ago now, and, and, and you know that was the answer, that ultimately he has to just keep doing what he's doing and, and wait for his opportunity, because ultimately, you know last night was bad. But I actually thought Matt Crooks, as I say, linked well with Isaiah Jones and was one of Borough's better players. He, he missed that sitter right at the end, but he got himself into that position. And of course, the game before that against Redden, although it probably wasn't his better game, he finished the game with two goals and was the hero who won the game for Borough. So, you know, ultimately, we can look into things too much or you can just look at the simple picture of black and white as it is. The player ahead of Martin Piero in the team has been doing well. So, you know, in what was an A game unbeaten run, how can you justify taking Matt Crooks out?
0: It's certainly a good dilemma to have it, I guess, as well. There's people that are in there on the starting, the starting team sheet playing well enough and then people out there, you know, on the training pitch performing well and trying to impress the manager—it's a great dilemma to have. Um, you know, who you're going to pick? Dom, we've mentioned there that we're probably done in terms of people coming in up front, but in terms of other incomings in the in the last few days of the window, can you see any movement? Um,
1: as we talked about last week, I, I look at up, I look at up front and um, midfield, and, and I'd be very surprised. I mean. You know, to think you were talking about that competition for midfield places there and that's with Riley McGree not in the squad. Now, given um everything we know about McGree and, and how pleased Burr are to have got him, um, you know, you suspect he's going to be a key player and, and you would imagine that he's gonna go above Piero in, in that pecking order. As you say, that's a good that's the type of competition you want. Um I, I wonder whether there may be a centre half you know, you one injury away. From, I mean, you know, you've got Bamba there, and you've got Nathan Wood, and you've got Grant Hall, who hasn't had a kick either. I mean, you you look at Hall, and you wonder whether if if you had an offer, whether the whether they'd think about that one. But I suppose it depends who's coming in. Um, and at right wing back, you know, if, if Jones if Jones got injured. Um, you know, you're looking pretty short there, really, aren't you? There's no natural deputy. You could move Dyke Steele over and bring one of the, the centre-halves in, but Dyke Steele, for me, is is at home in that position. He's playing now the right side of a back three. Um, and then there's the issue that we talked about last week, the, the goalkeeper. I think that's probably the one area of the squad you look at at the minute and think, um, as, as Craig alluded to last week, I don't think any of the keepers have really staked a claim to be to be nailed on number one, um, you know. Solbrin came back, but that wasn't. We got the impression that that was. You know, he was coming back as the number three. Um, so, it, how, how easy is it to buy a goalkeeper in January? You know, someone who's going to come in as a number one. I'd, I'd be more surprised than 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 if if Burrow didn't sign a goalkeeper. Sorry, no. I'd be more surprised if Borre did sign a goalkeeper who came in as as number one. I, I think. I think that's a summer, uh, uh, you know, a summer job. Really looking at looking at um, working on that department. Then, um, so it's a difficult one. I think I think, as I say, cover it right wing back, maybe a defender. But but I, I think Borough are in a position now where if they did no more business, it's a successful window. But but I, I I'd expect um, it to be busy in terms of outgoings. You know, Wilder made that clear, didn't he, Craig? When you spoke to him last week, that. You need to do that to balance the bro- books. Marcus Brown, Uche Piezu, um Obviously, we know um, James Leah Saliki as well. And then you suspect uh, a few, a few youngsters will go out on loan as well. So you would think there's going to be at least a handful of, of exits before the month is out.
2: Yeah, I completely agree with Dom there. I, I don't think there's much out of that in terms of of, of incomings. Um, the only position I would say um, potentially as well. Uh, would be um, another signed Riley McGree and Boyd Munts uh, this month as midfielders, but potentially the defensive midfield role that Johnny House and currently occupies. Uh, you know, again it's one of them. And when when Wilder spoken about kind of incumbents and he's he's you know looked at the balance of his squad, he's always said that he does feel that, you know, he's not gonna have like for like in every position. He's not gonna be able to carry those numbers. He doesn't want to carry those numbers. There will be certain areas of the pitch where Players can cover, even if that's not their exact natural position. So you know, I think that could be a position he might look to strengthen. He might look to bring someone in it's back as to So, but equally, you know, we're seeing when when um, was it Blackpool that how, it was Blackpool, wasn't it? That Johnny Househam missed, and and uh, Paddy McNair stepped up into the midfield, and, and Saul Bamber came in the defence. So you know, the, there are those kind of areas in the pitch, like right wing back, like. In midfield, that you know, potentially they could bring in what I would say you'd be calling backup players, but there are other players in the squad that they currently have that they could, you know, they can cover when they need to cover, so uh, they're not priority, uh, you know, things as such.
1: Uh, just, to jump, just to jump in there, just quickly, yeah, I think there's a difficulty, isn't there, in, in buying a cover player as well? Um, bringing someone in when you know, if they're coming in and they're. You know, they only have to look if they're coming in as a holding midfield player and think, well, hold on, he, while the only players were one and the captain the captain plays in that role, he's not going to play. So yeah, I look at that, I completely agree, by the way, Craig, I do think that's an area. But you, in terms of the type of player, you wonder whether um, it's kind of players at, at either end of the career, really, either someone who comes in as a young player on loan or someone at the back end of the career who Wilder perhaps knows, has managed previously, and comes in, you know, to kind of, it, it knows exactly what Wilder wants, settling into, Wilder knows what type of character he is, um, and Wilder can be absolutely clear in saying, look, you're not going to play every week, but I need someone here, I need I need you to come in and do this and do that. So it wouldn't surprise me if we saw someone, maybe completely way off the mark, but if, if that was an area Wilder looked to strengthen, it wouldn't surprise me if he looked at, someone who who's maybe managed previously, um who comes in and and, and, and plays in that cover role.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. Um I mean one of the there's a lot of excitement from fans about the signing of McCrey obviously arrived right from Birmingham we're yet to, to see him yeah. I mean how crucial of a role do you think he's gonna play in potentially getting Middlesbrough to, to the Premier League? <laughs>
2: I think it'll be really interesting to see, uh you know, how how big a role he does play. Clearly, this boy has a lot of talent, but he is still a young boy, and and we should remember he was part of a, a Birmingham City team. You know, they raved about him, but they're a struggling Birmingham City team as well. Now, from from what I've been told, and um, you know, he came in in the early training sessions. Uh, he, he looked absolutely brilliant he, he really really caught the eye and uh, you know, a couple of the players in interviews since have mentioned how the new boys have kind of really drove the standards of training up with how good they've looked since coming in um, of course McGree is currently away on, on international duty uh, so that's the ladies debut and so the earliest we'll be able to see in action is uh, the Manchester United FA Cup game but even that might be pushing it a bit I think the top of my head I think he plays on the Monday night for Australia and then would have to fly back and and to be involved uh, against Manchester United on the Friday night so that might be pushing it a little and QPR in the midweek after that might be more realistic but you know I think again he's ultimately going to be challenging Marcus Tavernier. It's going to be that left-sided number eight wall, and, and I appreciate there's probably a lot of excitement about McGree because, again, Marcus Tavernier just seems to be this kind of, for so many fans, he's this decisive figure and so many don't seem to appreciate how much he does in the team. But I think, much like Pierre on the right side of that central midfield, um, McGree is going to, in the very first instance, have to work his way into that team because Chris Wilder clearly likes Marcus Tavernier and clearly values what he brings to the team. You know, there's the interesting view after the Reading game on BBC Tees where, you know, he, he kind of said that he was he was delighted with Tavernier after Tav um, provided the assist for the equaliser and, and Mark Drury from Tees had kind of said, you know, he does get a lot of stick, does, does Tav, and, and Chris Wilder had said, I, I know he does, but listen, Tav's a good player. I know a good player when I say one, and Tav is a good player. So clearly, you know, it's it's clear that Chris Wilder likes him. Previous managers have liked him. I appreciate he's he's not every middle for fan's cup of tea, but he brings a lot to that middle midfield, and I think more than any other player, you usually know this when Tav's missing uh, so yeah, McGree's first kind of job is to try and displace Haveley, an
0: which won't be easy. Which again plays into that whole element of competition. I mean, that's a massive part of a, of a good side, isn't it? To have options, and if someone isn't performing too well, or even just gets kicked out of the side because the other person's performing better in training, that's what you want, and that's what Wilder will want. We will finish then. I'll come to you first. on let's talk about the game against Coventry. I mean, they. They were up there. They've had a bit of a bad run of form recently. They've only won two in their last ten. They've they've fallen out of the picture ever us so slightly, um, but you know they're still a, a decent side. Borough need a response from from what happened last night against Blackburn. Um, do you foresee any changes being made? Craig mentioned there about the rotation of strikers, so that might play an element. But any major changes being made to the starting lineup? Do you think?
1: Um... I think, other than the tinkering of strikers, maybe one, um, maybe Conley. You know, I know uh, without going over, without being overly critical, but that that's the obvious change, isn't it? You'd think, given everything Craig said about about um, Wilder's history in in um, rotating his centre forwards. After that Preston game, when he was pretty strong, wasn't he talking about them being arrogant and hating the second half attitude? Um, when the Huddersfield next. And he, he had every opportunity then to to ring the changes, and he didn't. Did he make one? Did Peltier come in for that game, which was forced? Um, anyway, he, there was certainly no more than that. Um, now, obviously, the difference is now he's, he's got a bigger squad and he's got... Um, more options but even then I, I look and I think the only the only real likelihood is is changing one I'd be surprised if he changed both strikers one striker but equally it wouldn't surprise me at all if if you know he gave him a bit of a rollick and he gave him a bit of a rocket and then said right go on same team prove me wrong show me you know give me the reaction that I want um and as I said right at the start I, I, I'd expect Borough to to um, to respond, you know, Coventry are a, are a good team. I think Mark Robbins is one of the most underrated managers, probably in the country. You know the job he's done there at Coventry to get them up when they had no one in playing at St Andrews, um, and and to keep them up last year, and to even have them in the conversation of the top six of the first half of of this season I'm surprised really that um, he hasn't been looked at or he might have been but he hasn't uh, there hasn't been more firm approaches from other clubs but, but that said I, I do fancy Burr to respond and I, I think you know I think they'll bounce back with a win um, and you've got to really haven't you because it's QPR after that in the league which is another really tough test so you you do need to kind of respond and, and you know find that momentum again get the run get the run going again
0: Craig do, do you foresee a response coming?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I do. I think, as Dom says there, I think, uh, you know, we saw a response after Preston and I would imagine that those players, you know, I don't think that those players are bad players. They haven't become bad players overnight. They're still the same players that took Burrow on an unbeaten eight game run, five straight wins. Um, I think they had a bad night. Uh, I do. Obviously, that'll be the real test. Now they have to prove that that's the case, and um, you know they have to against Coventry prove that this was just a blip and not a derailment. But but I do, I, I feel like you know, like Dom says, it'll it'll prove that kind of kick up the backside, if you like. Maybe we did get a bit ahead of ourselves, you know. Maybe we did get a bit cocky, but uh, you know, when Coventry come to the Riverside, I expect right from the off they'll be going for it.
0: Fantastic. Well, fingers crossed they do get three points. Uh, that is the end of Tribe Supper. Just, I do uh, on, sorry,
2: just, Yeah, sorry, just before we wrap up. Well, firstly, sorry for my soundtrack. That's accompanied me under Dears' podcast. I was just
0: going to mention the comments are 100% spot on. It is a dreadful playlist.
2: I, I can't hear it, i fortunate I've no, got these can't. on so I can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So apologies for that but also before we wrap up I think uh, only right that we uh, give a shout out as well to uh, the three borough medical, uh staff last night, Dr Tom of Pritchard course. Adam Reid and Chris Mosley, who uh, you know sprang into action, were first responders as a Blackburn Rovers fan took ill at the game last night, uh, the three of those as I'm told, uh, the, the fan wasn't breathing when they, they were the first three on the scene, the fan wasn't breathing and they managed to get breathing again and, and then were assisted by Blackburn medical staff and and the uh the the medical staff in the uh in, in you know working for Blackburn for the supporters as well so uh you know just a, a big shout out to to those three uh, at Middlesbrough See, fantastic credit the club and uh you know it sounds like thankfully that that support uh, that elderly supporter is in a stable condition you know has lived to tell the tale thankfully and uh a big part of that doubt of those
0: three, uh, paramedical staff. So, a, a shout out to them, yeah, 100%. Oh, yeah, yep, we well
1: yeah, absolutely. Well said.
0: Um, yeah, and fingers crossed, um, as we see there, that the, the fan makes a, a full recovery. And I said, That is the end of this episode of Tribe you Head over to Gazette Live. You can keep it with all the latest Middlesbrough FC news, including all the build-up to Saturday's game of and any transfer updates as well. Please remember to like and follow the podcast, which is totally free to do. It just means with every new episode we upload, you'll get a notification to say it's ready for you guys to listen to. We'll be back next week, hopefully, with three points on the board for Middlesbrough. In the meantime, I hope you enjoy the rest of your week. Like I say, do head over to the website.